This is a CCRI radio podcast. New content every week from students at the Community College of Rhode Island. Listen, watch, read, and get involved at ccri.edu slash studentmedia. Thank you for tuning in today, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. I'm Josh Lozell, and this is the show, Hold That Out. We are coming to you, as always, from the Bobby Hackett Theater on the night campus of CCRI. Be sure to check out this show and other podcasts and content from the students of CCRI by visiting www.ccri.edu backslash radio backslash podcasts. Be sure to also listen to episodes of the show by going on Google Podcasts and Public Radio. We had an interesting night last night of college basketball. The local... 18th ranked Providence College Friars fell to their Big East rival last night, the 20th ranked Yukon Huskies, 69 to 87, putting Providence College at 20 and 8 on the season, 12 and 5 in Big East play. The Boston College Eagles took down the 6th ranked Virginia Cavaliers in Boston last night, 63 to 48. McKay Ashton Langford led the Boston College Eagles in scoring with 16 points and added six rebounds and four assists as well. The 10th-ranked Marquette Golden Eagles took down the 19th-ranked Creighton Blue Jays in a close 73-71 matchup two nights ago. Rhode Island native Tyler Kolick finished with 18 points, four rebounds, six assists, and three steals for the Golden Eagles, hitting two really, really big shots down the stretch to help Marquette put the game on ice. As the old saying goes, let the madness begin. For all the college hoops people that know, this time of year is where the teams really need to finish building their tournament resumes and squeezing out conference wins. Every single win is crucial from here on out. Today I will be going over the Las Vegas Raiders by trying to figure out what in the hell they are doing. Or do we have an idea by a subliminal leak. Also, USC quarterback Caleb Williams and his statements regarding the Miami Dolphins. How far should we investigate into that, if we should at all? And last, the Los Angeles Lakers potentially missing the playoffs for the second year in a row. How bad does that dent LeBron James's legacy, if it does at all? But first, let's start with the Raiders. <clears throat> now, for those of you who don't know me personally, my dad was very, very, very into sports, hence why I'm here talking to you today. In fact, my dad had Patriot season tickets from 1982 until he unfortunately passed away in 2009. Dad, I love you. Rest in peace. Before he was a full-time Patriots fan, uh, his team was the Raiders. He owned almost every piece of memorabilia you could think of. Hats, jackets, pennants, gloves, knickknacks, you name it. During the 70s when he was growing up, they were one of the standards and the models that the NFL had looked up to. Uh, they had an owner, the late Al Davis, who wasn't afraid to take risks. Um, he hired a great coach, the legendary late John Madden. An assortment of Hall of Fame players such as running back Marcus Allen, Linebacker Howie Long, quarterback Ken Stabler. They were, for a long time, a very, very solid watch. Even in the early 2000s when I was younger, 
when they had Rich Gannon, that quarterback, an older yet still very productive Jerry Rice, uh, Charles Woodson, who was an excellent Hall of Fame safety, and a very, very good defensive lineman at the time, Lincoln Kennedy, where a lot of people will tell you to this day, if not for the tuck rule, the Raiders more than likely would have made back-to-back Super Bowls in 2001 and two. Then things started to change. Ron Wolf, Hall of Fame GM, who had worked closely with Al Davis, claims that Davis became very tone deaf to people closest to him towards the end of his days in the ownership box. The drafts got weird. Uh, For those of you who can remember the whole Jamarcus Russell draft, uh, the quarterback out of LSU, I mean, what a disaster that was. Um, They weren't spending money on positions they needed. Uh, They were spending money in all the wrong areas, which is kind of what they're still doing now. And as everyone knows, Al Davis never got the stadium that he wanted. Uh, He ended up sharing a baseball stadium with the Athletics, which for a majority of my life, they have been a very, very bad baseball team. Unfortunately, in October of 2011, Al Davis had passed away, leaving the franchise to his son, Mark, who had worked in other areas of the organization during the regime of his father. Which leads us to today. Mark Davis has had 11 full years of ownership in the NFL. My takeaway, he is a shell of what his old man was. Now, I know that recency bias will tell a lot of people that Derek Carr is not a good quarterback. I personally would strongly push back on that. If you really, really, really look closely at the drafts since Mark Davis has took over the franchise, He's actually one of the better players that they've drafted and kept until recently, of course. Now, you can say, well, what about Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro and Colton Miller? I don't disagree at all. Those were not only solid picks, but they were home runs. But the totality of it all, it isn't all that great. In fact, I did some research this morning And I went over my homework. In the 11 years that Mark Davis has been the owner of the Raiders, they have had 11 first-round picks on the dot. Now, they haven't had a first-round pick every single year, but averaging it out, it comes out to a pick every single year. Out of those 11 first-round picks, two players worth mentioning. Colton Miller, left tackle, Josh Jacobs, running back, who, by the way, his fifth-year option was not picked up last year. He will be a free agent within the next few weeks. So out of 11 first-round picks, you have hit on only two, giving us an 18% hit rate on first-round picks. Now, I know what you're saying to yourself right now. Yeah, well, so what? What about the later rounds? That's where you find all the diamonds in the rough. Yes, you do for the most part. But here's the catch. You need to hit on those picks. 
which in large part you have not. So again, if we look at since Mark Davis has took the team over, remove the first round picks that I had just mentioned. In the 11 years, they have had 76 picks outside the first round. I went back and looked as well. Out of the 76 players that they have drafted outside the first round, 16 are worth mentioning. And quite honestly, I'm being generous because a lot of the players that they've drafted outside the first round have been just recently. And to be reasonable, we don't know if those players have already hit their ceiling or not, or if there's going to be a year where they pop. So just being completely, completely reasonable, 16 out of 76 picks outside the first round. That gives you a 21% hit rate. So let's go back and do the math. So you hit on 18% of your first round picks. You only hit on 21% of the picks outside the first round. That results in a 20.6 overall hit rate in the draft. Translation, for every five players that you draft, one of them will be worth keeping. One. Okay, so let's say everything out loud. The Khalil Mack trade, disaster. Amari Cooper trade, that's a coin flip. I would lean towards a disaster. They have not had any consistency in the draft. 2019 is their best draft to date. They relocated to another state in which the stadium cost them $3 billion. The owner is bottom five in net worth, not to mention that he's going through the lawsuit with John Gruden right now. Inconsistent front office moves. Bad coaching hires. I can't understand why New Orleans upgraded Dennis Allen to a coach. I have absolutely no idea why. I'll go on the record and say right now, he will be the first coach fired next year. I, I can promise you that right now. No quarterback, aging defense with bad contracts, offensive line has been getting poached, and we don't know what the hell's going on with Michael Thomas. Not to mention Alvin Kamara is going to be going through a lawsuit for an altercation that happened at a hotel. And not to mention, going back to the Raiders, they've had players removed for an assortment of legal issues. I mean, there was one kid that ended up getting arrested because he was posting guns on social media. And then the whole situation with Henry Ruggs last year on the freeway in Las Vegas. Say this to yourself. As of this morning, just in the AFC West alone, their own division, the Raiders have the worst defense, the worst coach, the worst overall offensive line, and the worst quarterback. I don't care how bad Russell Wilson was last season. He now has Sean Payton and an excellent defense. And Jared Stidham, at best, he's a C-minus quarterback. So with all of that, I'm now supposed to believe that because you gave a quarterback 
fully guaranteed money with a no trade clause one year in after the deal you cut him so that's just supposed to erase 11 years of chaos and mediocrity yeah I'm gonna have to say no because I'm not sure if you guys have noticed but the Chiefs with Andy Reid and Mahomes they play them twice same thing with the Chargers and Justin Herbert and their really, really deep, talented roster. And as I and as I just mentioned, Sean Payton is back in Denver. You'll see his schemes in that defense twice. I I don't I don't know. If I were Las Vegas, I would trade back from the seventh pick and gain more draft capital. I would go for the kid Max Duggan, the quarterback from TCU in the middle in the middle rounds. However, Raiders GM Dave Ziegler recently came out and claimed that no immediate answer at quarterback may come in the year 2023, which I found very, very interesting. Could this be a potential tank year to potentially try to secure USC quarterback Caleb Williams? I mean, you got to think. Williams has already played in their building. Maybe the front office was there. Maybe they were locked in and they were sold once they saw Caleb in person. I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, when you look at Caleb Williams, I mean, take away the fact that he's 6'1". Arm, mobility, accuracy, coachability, drive. He checks every box you want in a franchise quarterback. So it would make sense if that was the answer. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is off the table. Nor would I say Rodgers is necessarily a bad fit, considering that, you know, the repertoire that he has with Devontae Adams, he has a top three to five tight end in Darren Waller, excellent slot receiver, all that. Sure. However, add the context. Keep in mind, Aaron is getting older. He's had collarbone surgeries. He's expensive. He's not as committed in the offseason. He's hiding in strange parts of the Pacific Northwest to figure his life out. Either way, the bottom line here is that the silver and black logo is nothing close to, once, to what it once was. As the league keeps growing and adapting to what works, the Raiders, they just feel lost. They feel like they're just going with the flow and whatever happens, it happens. Considering like what they did last year, giving Carr the bag, trading for Devontae Adams, giving him the bag, Waller got the bag, Renfro got the bag, Crosby, Chandler Jones, all these guys gearing up, offensive coach, had a solid draft. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I had them going to the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously I fell flat on my face with that pick, but with that said... I mean, from a bird's eye view, I've seen everything what this team was doing, and I'm like, wow, I think they actually might be changing fate. And, of course, they actually just regressed worse to what they originally were. I don't know how that exactly can happen, but nonetheless, that's where we're at. Not to mention the entire situation 
of Derek Carr, in my opinion, has just been handled poorly. So you're meaning to tell me that you give him a three-year, $121 million contract, fully guaranteed with a no-trade clause, and then 15 games into the following season, you decide to kick rocks, in which you lost a huge opportunity to gain draft capital back after, oh wait, that's right, you spent a first and a second to get Devontae Adams. Also, going back, in the 11 years that Mark Davis has been the owner, their defense on average equals out to the 22nd ranked defense in the National Football League. So, I don't ever think you've ever gotten a pass or a pat pat on the back for having a defense that's better than, oh, I don't know, the Houston Texans or the Jaguars, right? Not to mention this past year, 2022, the Raiders ranked 28th, which was their lowest grade on defense in five years, 2018. So... For everybody that just wants to throw everything on De- on Derek Carr, just keep in mind, he didn't sign off on that Khalil Mack trade. He didn't sign off on that Amari Cooper trade. Right? He also didn't sign off on Gruden getting more power in the first round over the GM Mike Mayock at the time. I understand there were times where he underperformed. I'm not going to I'm not going to deny that. Right? Like I've said before, if you are not one of the 5 to 8 best quarterbacks in the NFL and your franchise changes GMs, you should be concerned. You've heard me before, as much as I, as much as I have backed up Carr and will keep defending Carr until proven otherwise, I've never lumped him in the 5 to 8 category. But that doesn't mean that he's not productive. That doesn't mean that his services can't be used to teams that are looking for it. Right? I think Rodgers or Caleb Williams would be very, very compelling. Especially Caleb Williams. I mean, that that would just be... That, that would be everything that everybody that's trying to create content is looking for. But whatever essentially the plan is... It needs to go in full motion, like, right now. Like, right, right now. Because I'm almost positive the Raiders fan base cannot and will not tolerate another 11 years, making that 22 years total of being the butt end of a joke on social media platforms. Also, keep in mind what I had mentioned about their hit rate on the draft. 20.6 overall percent rate they now have 11 picks in this year's draft so I'm just saying two guys that hit in the draft it's going to take a lot more than that to fix this mess I would strongly strongly consider trading back building up and seeing what you could potentially do because going small going short term doesn't feel like it's going to work in that city with that brand.
if you were to go all in on Caleb, or at least try, that feels big. That feels like something his dad would have done. But we shall see. The only thing that I can tell you as of right now, the clock is moving. So let's stay on Caleb Williams. Just to start, so far in my young podcasting, broadcasting, whatever you feel like calling it, career, so far he is the standalone prospect. He's the you can't miss. Like I said, 6-1, doesn't matter. He checks out every other box. I haven't recalled a player this electric, this entertaining in years. It's been a very, 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 very long time since I've seen a kid in college that skilled that early. Because I think we can all agree undisputedly next year next year's draft, he absolutely will be the number one overall pick. I I mean, I don't really think that's an argument, right? Like, oh, the team might need a quarterback. Someone's going to trade up. Someone will make a move. Someone will end up getting the pick, and they'll end up drafting him. Regardless if it's a development plan, they might move off of somebody they have. He is going number one overall. I feel we can already just push that down the road and have that certified, right? So Caleb Williams was at the Super Bowl just recently in Arizona and had came out with a statement saying that his number one destination, if he had the option, would be the Miami Dolphins. Williams went on to say, I like to be around younger coaches. I'd probably go to the Dolphins. I also would be able to play with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Isecki. The defense isn't bad. That's probably my number one spot. So there's a few things to unpack here. Number one, why would that statement go out? Now, obviously, he was asked a question and respectfully, he wanted to answer it. That's, you ask me, kind of obvious. But digging a little deeper into that, why would a statement like that go out a whole year before he went for the draft? Well, one of my takeaways is that he is more than aware that there will be a traffic jam line of teams gearing up to either draft him, make a trade to draft him, or whatever else they could possibly finagle. Bottom line is that this kid knows what his worth is. And that's not a bad thing, right? If you know that you're good and you know that a team is going to pick you up, There's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with having confidence about that. Now, it's not to say that Miami is going to make a move and try to grab him. They may not have draft capital, per se, to do that. I mean, they have pieces on the team that they could move around. But they would really, really have to have a down year to naturally put themselves in a position to make a move. But also... Keep in mind of the Tua situation that's going on in Miami. Not only does Tua have a contract potentially coming up within the next few seasons, more importantly, there are massive, massive question marks regarding his long-term health. 
Because listen, <clears throat> it's one thing that you may not want to give Tua a long-term contract because you may be 50-50 on his skills. That's understandable. It is a completely different realm with a completely different conversation when you're talking about really, really, really bad health concerns. And we're not talking an ACL. We're not even talking about his hip that he had injured his last year at Alabama. We're talking about his head, which on or off the field is arguably one of the biggest things you need to protect on your body. So Miami is now stuck where we're not even sure if Tua is going to come out and play. And even if he does, is he going to look like what he did before his injuries? Does he regress back due to they may not want to put him in harm's way, understandably so? But with that being said, there needs to be a final answer on this saga, on whether or not he long-term will be your answer or not. Now, how does that reflect back to Caleb Williams? Well, again, you may not have all the draft capital that may be needed, but you definitely have some players that you could absolutely move around if that situation were to come about. And not only that, in a hypothetical situation, that would be excellent for Caleb Williams. And I'm a Patriots fan, but if you're telling me that he went down to Miami and he had those receivers and that tight end and that protection and those running backs and that coach... Yeah, I, I, I think that that would really, really work out very well for them. But again, I feel, that, I feel that there are other teams that also come into play for the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. I mean, you got teams like Minnesota, you got Tennessee, you have Seattle, you have the Giants. Um, I had stated earlier, I feel the Raiders could secretively be in play, Right. So if Miami really wants to put themselves in a position to make that kind of move, that conversation needs to be had right now. Because this is not a thing that you decide five weeks before the draft. Oh, yeah, let's just move a couple pieces around and go ahead. No, 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 no. It, it's, it's sort of relevant to buying a house, right? You don't wake up, Right, one random day, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go and buy a house. No, 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 no. You like, you gotta go to the bank. You gotta get pre-approved for the loan. All this jazz. And I feel that this is a very relevant situation in the sense that you need to have this conversation now. This is not just something that you can just do on a moment's notice. So I found it was very interesting that Caleb had made that statement again. The kid was just being respectful. He was just answering a question. I wouldn't dive too, too deep in a, uh, in a rabbit hole regarding it. But I did find it very interesting that the one team that he did say was a team that not only had a really good roster and a really good coach, but they have a lot of questions at their quarterback position. Was he subliminally kind of telling the Dolphins' ownership in the front office, like, hey, should probably make a move before, you know, someone else does. And believe me when I tell you, there will not only be a team to make a move, there will be several. And last for today, 
I would like to touch on the Los Angeles Lakers and their current situation. So, as I had talked about earlier in the show, um, the Raiders organization has not been the same since the passing of the late Al Davis, who, say whatever you want, I know that politically speaking, he wasn't, you know, aesthetically the most popular person. Um, However, he also ran the team to the point of success that they had with, you know, three Super Bowl victories and, again, all the Hall of Fame players and whatnot. Um, He absolutely was one of the most polarizing owners in the United States in terms of professional sports. Um, Very strange, however, it's very similar that the Los Angeles Lakers are almost in the same boat as the Raiders. I mean, obviously they've had more success within the last 25 years, you know, the championships with Shaq and Kobe and, you know, just recently with LeBron in the bubble. But if you dig a little deeper, they sort of resemble themselves more than what you would think off the top of your head. I mean, both of them had polarizing, innovative, legendary owners, right? The Raiders had the late Al Davis, the the Lakers had the late Dr. Jerry Buss. And very similar to Al Davis, um, Jerry Buss always had a vision. Uh, He was very, very innovative. He was never, and I mean never afraid to spend money, make big moves, keep the team where it rightfully should be. Right? And similar to the Raiders, when Dr. Buss had passed away, uh, his daughter, Jeannie Buss, has been running the team in the meantime. And very similar to what Mark Davis is doing since taking over for his father, uh, the Lakers haven't necessarily been the same franchise in that time frame. Um, You take away the one bubble championship that they had in 2020, um, I mean, multiple years of missing the playoffs, multiple years being below 500. Uh, Very similar to the Raiders, uh, their drafts were a little strange. Uh, take away the Lonzo Ball draft. Uh, they, they just kind of some quirky moves. Um, the Kobe Bryant contract had set them back a few years in terms of the cap. Uh, they were in a very, very weird situation for quite some time. However, with the Lakers, the signing of LeBron James in the summer of 18 had changed a lot. However, we are where we are now in 2023. And aside from, like I had mentioned, the championship in the bubble for the 2020 season, uh, the Lakers have been, I wouldn't say abysmal, but they've definitely been mediocre, to say the least. Um, Very, very strange ways the roster has been constructed. Um... Anthony Davis has been inconsistent with his health. And LeBron James has been getting squeezed like an orange in terms of minutes. In which, if you ask me personally, I don't believe in this phase of his career he should be playing the minutes that he should be. 
I don't think the team necessarily has a choice, but that's a different conversation. So as of today, the Los Angeles Lakers sit 13th in the Western Conference with a 27-32 and record with 23 games remaining on their schedule. They are 14 games back of first place. They are two games back from competing in the play-in tournament. And here's my takeaway from that. With LeBron James breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record this year, and considering the moves right before the deadline that the front office had made, I don't think it necessarily puts a dent in LeBron James's legacy because we obviously know how great he is, right? Whether or not you have him over Michael Jordan, right? Whether you have him top five, top eight, top 10, he's the greatest. Wherever you decide to rank him, we know where he is in terms of the all-time ranks. He has to be in that conversation in some way, shape, or form, right? I don't feel that it puts a dent on his legacy per se. However, with his stint with the Lakers, they need to make the playoffs this year. They need to make the playoffs this year. Um, The move for Anthony Davis, the assets they gave up for him, the moves they just made at the deadline, with how down the Western Conference is this year, I mean, Steph Curry's hurt. Right, the, the Sacramento Kings are third in the West. I really hope to God no one's buying any of that stock. Right, Phoenix just made the move with Kevin Durant, but let's be honest, they haven't built any chemistry, so we don't know how exactly that will look within 23 games. The Dallas Mavericks are six, but let's be honest, they don't play defense. So when you look at every situation, Given this year in particular, again, not the long-term scale, but I'm talking this specific year in particular, you have to make the playoffs. You have to. Because if the Clippers in the same building as you make the playoffs again and you're not in it, how great of a look does that really look? And I get it, all the championships that they've won outweighs the fact that the Clippers have been the laughing stock for, let's be honest, 90% of my life, if not everybody's life. But you look at the San Francisco 49ers in the same state, knocking on the door of a Super Bowl with a third-string quarterback, right? The Dodgers, it just seems like they never run out of money. Oh, we gave Mookie Betts the bag? Oh, don't worry. Let's just go get J.D. Martinez. Somehow finding $20 million to play to, to pay Curt, uh, Clayton Kershaw. Right? Clippers have a great roster. You know the Rams are going to bounce back. The Chargers have a great roster. USC football is crushing it with Caleb Williams. The Lakers, arguably... They're not only the biggest brand in their state, they're one of the biggest brands in the country. I mean, when you talk about the biggest brands in America between all the sports, all the sports, 
mesh them all together. You got Cowboys, you got Lakers, you got Raiders, you got Giants, you got Yankees, you got Red Sox, you got Celtics, Bruins, Canadians, right? Like, it's more than just, it's LeBron. It's more than just the cosmetic makeup of the roster. It's it's the DNA of the franchise, right? Like, when did it ever become about, well, we just have national TV games? You're always going to have national TV games. Always. I mean, for crying out loud, the Dallas Cowboys won what? Five, six games in 2015? And yet, there they were on Thanksgiving. There they were on Monday night. There they were on Fox on 430. The brand will always get you on TV. You have to deliver. And again, I'm not saying this affects his overall legacy because we know how great he is. He automatically is getting in the Hall of Fame. I think that's an easy one. But his time in L.A., his stint with the Lakers, they need to make the playoffs. Now, I'm not sure on a scale from 1 to 10, how great of a championship caliber team this is, because I haven't seen enough of them yet. But just looking at the names, given at the moves that they've made, given that LeBron is now the number one scorer all time, he's having arguably one of his best seasons ever, you got to make the playoffs. You got to make the playoffs, right? And quite honestly, you ask me, if they were to squeeze in and get to the sixth seed, or however way that they would end up in a matchup with the Sacramento Kings, I'm taking the Lakers over the Kings. Oh, you bet. Oh my God, you got to be kidding me. The Kings with basically no experience? I don't know. I don't know. I feel something has to give. Anthony Davis, he's got to be consistent. This team's got to come alive, and they got to make a push. Not necessarily win a chip. I wouldn't go necessarily that far. But playoff appearance? Yeah. That sounds right. It feels right. LeBron claimed, this is the most important 23 games I've ever had in my career. Well, my friend, the best of luck to you. We will see how that pans out for you and these Los Angeles Lakers. This is a CCRI radio podcast. New content every week from students at the Community College of Rhode Island. Listen, watch, read, and get involved at ccri.edu slash studentmedia.